or not necessarily the the narratives of Achan are necessary to preach. The danger, however, is when we don't move on from Achan. There is a chapter 8. Sometimes because of the heaviness of Achan, we can feel like there's nothing ahead for us. I'll repeat this. We have all had Achan moments in our lives. It may not have resulted with you under a pile of stones, but parts of your life were damaged or maybe fell apart or were wounded deeply. We've all had moments of Achan. But here's the title this morning. After Achan, there is an AI. You know why AI resulted in defeat in chapter 7? Because there was an Achan that had to be dealt with. But God's not done with his people after Achan. There was still an AI. Look at verse 1 of chapter 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not. It's impossible to put into words how frustrated and devastated and overwhelmed Joshua had to be after chapter 7. And so with refreshing words of grace, God says to Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof, and this is a big difference, and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey or for a profit unto yourselves. Lay thee an ambush for this city behind it. And verse 3, So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. After Achan, there is an Ai. We'll talk about the relevance of that in our lives today. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. At this time, we'll enjoy a special from the Cain and the Selvage families. And I trust it'll be a blessing to you. And then after this song, we'll get to the message.
blessing Selvages and Canes. I'm sure you appreciate that very much. I want to second what Brother Max has already said. Guest, it's an honor to have you with us 
this morning. And uh, if you've been here several times or you are new, we are thankful for you being a part of the services here at West Valley Baptist Church and trust that God. The desire is that um, whether you come one time or you come back many times, that every time you come here, that in some way God speaks to you. And through some interaction, through a song, through the teaching and preaching of his word, that you know you were helped and that God met with you in some way by being in this place. And so we're thankful for you being with us. All right, I'm going to, I've already made Brother Max and Brother Fiavi grumpy this morning, and, and that just speaks to their spiritual immaturity about such things. <laughs> and, I mean, you can get mad at Miss Jessica Knoll, you can get mad at me, but the facts are just the facts. And the fact is that Tom Brady is the GOAT. I don't, I don't, no, 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 I don't need your approval. I'm not insecure about this. The facts are the facts, whether you like them or not. Facts are the facts. In, in 2007, uh, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots had what many consider to be the greatest regular season in NFL history. Uh, he broke at that time the touchdown passing record along with one of the most prolific receivers in NFL history, Randy Moss. Their team dominated from beginning to end, they had some close calls along the way, and they were expected, they went 16-0, went undefeated, and they were expected to do the same in the playoffs, and they did all the way up to the Super Bowl, where they came up against the wild card NFC Giants. Tom Brady, and if you watch the game, they had the lead uh, with just a minute or so left in the game through a touchdown pass to Randy Moss, and then through some miraculous <laughs> plays, some very unexpected plays, the Giants win the Super Bowl in the waning seconds. Tom Brady, years later, was asked, what is, what is your most painful loss? In, in a career that has spanned a couple of decades now, what is, what is your most painful loss? And he points back to, I believe, that game when they had a chance to cap off an undefeated season and become only the second team to do it. Brother Max is a Miami Dolphins fan. It's been a long wilderness for him. <laughs> and there's no Jordan River in sight. <laughs> he goes back to that game and he, and he says that was, if not the most, one of the most painful losses. And you would, you would think that after, after coming so close, it, for, for him, his life's pursuit in, in achieving this goal of winning every game and, and accomplishing a perfect season and coming within, not, not coming within a game, but coming in within seconds of a game, of accomplishing it, that that would be such a devastating loss and disappointment that from that point on, his career would only go downhill because of the toll that loss would take on him. But here's what's happened since that loss. Since then, he's won two league MVPs. He's won three Super Bowl MVPs. And he's won the Super Bowl four more times. So he suffered a devastating loss. And while that loss will be remembered in terms of his career that loss will not define him. No, I, no, look, I don't, I don't care that much about football. 
I, d- I enjoy the smack talk, but I want you to get this point. Please, please get this point. For many players, and I'm only talking about it on, on, on an athletic level for a moment, their, their careers or teams, they will be defined by losses. And because of the significance, because in, in athletic terms and the emphasis our culture puts on sports and particularly football, because of all of that pressure and that emphasis, that loss is considered by many to be one of the most devastating, if not the most devastating loss, an athletic failure of epic proportion. And for many many who compete at that level, their careers are defined by getting to big moments and then failing in those moments and missing out on achieving the ultimate prize and the ultimate victory. And, And Brady's career could have been defined by that loss, but it wasn't. It's not. Because after it, he's had as much, if not more, success than he had before that loss. In chapter 7, as I've already mentioned, we've spent a few weeks, I think four weeks, but at least three weeks, dealing with the issue of Achan and the sin that he had committed. Remember that Israel had been given a very clear command, don't touch the stuff of Jericho. It's either to be destroyed or consecrated to God, depending on what material it is. But as you saw in chapter 7, Achan, he sees it, he covets it, he takes it, he hides it. And Israel thinks that they're just going to go on, even though that there is sin in the camp. And Achan thinks this is not a big deal. I'm just, I'm one of many hundreds of thousands. I'm one of many millions of people. And what I do really doesn't have an effect on anyone else. And so he commits this sin. And as a result, Israel goes into battle with Ai. And and Ai is such a small village that in chapter 7, the the spies who report back to Joshua say, the military commanders say, we don't even need to send everyone. Let's just send two or 3,000 so that that people can rest and get some reprieve after the labor of Jericho, after the battle of Jericho. Let's just send a few thousand. And so they send 3,000, and they are embarrassed. About 36 of them die, and they are run out of town. They are whooped. The beatdown is put on them. But but that's not meant to be comical because about 36 people actually lost their lives. They suffered a humiliating defeat that, that made no sense. There was no logic why they should have, no reason why they should have lost to Ai. And yet there they are in the shambles of this defeat. So Joshua goes to the Lord and says, what have you done? And God says to Joshua, this problem isn't with me. This problem is with you and that you've, there is sin in the camp and, and you need my blessing to have victory. Oh, that's such a good thing to remember in our lives. We need the blessing of God. We need his favor. We need his goodness on our lives. But we can't have that goodness and that favor to the degree that he wants it to be available when we are tolerating and hiding and ignoring sin in our lives. And so Joshua and the children of Israel, they deal with the sin. And, and I understand that this, the punishment placed on Achan was very severe. And the point isn't that, that, that sin is always dealt with by taking people out and then stoning them. That, that's not the point. This was a very unique circumstance and a very unique and specific command and a very unique judgment to reinforce a lesson. And, and rather than thinking of Achan as a victim, you need to remember, God was not ambiguous about his command or his warning. 
Sometimes we get to feel, feeling so sorry for people because of the consequences when we need to help people understand, you, you were warned about this. Achan was, an, Achan, Achan was not a victim. He, he dealt with, he was a recipient of the consequences of sinful decisions. Now look, I'm thankful that that's not the way that God deals with sin in our lives. Come on, somebody needs to wake up a little bit. I don't, I don't need you to say amen all the time, but there's a couple of times where we need to be engaged enough to say, yeah, yeah. Okay, look, look. I have been guilty of sin, and I haven't been stoned. Unique circumstance, unique setting. There, was, there are unique things about this as to why God dealt with it the way that he did. And we've already preached that message. But understand, no one in here is any better than Achan. No one in here can say, yeah, I'm not like that Achan guy. I've never, I would never hear God say, don't do this and do it. Oh, really? Should we go through the list? of the things God tells us not to do or tells us to do that we daily struggle to be faithful to within our spirits, in our interactions, in our families, in our dealings at work, in our attitude, in the things that we allow to influence us. No, we have in our lives these aching moments where we, we know what the command of God is. We know what the warning of God is. We know what the forbidding of God is. Where God says, this is a line. I haven't established that line to rob you of enjoying life. I haven't established that line to make you miserable. I haven't established that line to make you poor or to keep you from having what you need. Achan, I have established this line so that you will be protected from certain influences and so that you will learn to prioritize me first. And it's established here. I don't know that we'll preach a whole message on it, but it's established here. God never intended for the armies of Israel to not benefit from their victory. He just wanted it to be done in the right order. And the right order was understanding your priority doesn't need to be Because if stuff drives your life, you're going to end up making a lot of bad decisions. But if you will trust me and that will guide your life, then I can give you the stuff that you need. And when I enrich you, it's way better than when you ignore me to enrich yourself. He didn't draw this line in Achan's life to make him miserable. He drew it to teach him to prioritize God and then to protect him from the influence of worldly things that in the end, do not satisfy the way that only God does. Well, Achan failed miserably. And it cost the entire nation of Israel. Let's just be honest. Before God, I don't need you to admit this to anyone else. You just need to, in your heart, admit it before God. You have failed miserably before him. Before God, I am guilty. And the last thing that I want people doing is walking out of this 
out of this message this morning and saying, yeah, I know that person has failed miserably, and I know they have done that. No, no, no. Before God, we are all guilty. Before God, it was necessary for Jesus to die for every one of us. And therefore, before God, we can make this statement that we have all in our life had those aching moments where parts of or totally or moments of there were complete devastation and ruin. Here's what I mean. As every husband knows what it's like to have said something in a way or to have said something that he immediately knows. I shouldn't have said it or done it that way. I regret it. But there's nothing I can do now to take it back. Every wife knows what it's like to have done the same thing. Every parent knows what it's like to have said, man, I wish I had handled that situation different with my children. Every child that has lived any significant length of time knows what it's like, even if you aren't able to articulate biblical truth, you still understand in your soul, you still understand in your heart that there is a right and a wrong response to your parents. And you know, it's sure, especially our young people, you know what it's like to know in your heart that attitude I've had towards my dad, that attitude I've had towards my mom, it's wrong. You know what it's like to have disobeyed. You know what it's like to have bowed your neck. You know what it's like to have complained behind their backs. You, you know what it's like to have given in to some temptation when you and your friends were alone by yourself. You know what it's like to have had those aching moments. And you know immediately, I shouldn't have done this. And then we know this. Not only do we know the conviction and the regret, but we also know the consequences. And sometimes to appreciate the amazing grace that is in this text, we have to first understand the devastation that's there. Sometimes the consequences of our aching decisions are devastating. Hearts can be broken in a way that take years to heal. Addictions take hold that can take years to break. Relationships can be broken that in some cases are never repaired. And we look at the rubble of our aching decisions. And this is the question that we ask. What's next for me? Do I have anything that I can look forward to? Is there anything that God can do in my life, is there anything to live for? Is there anything to hope for? Is there anything to work for? And maybe, please understand this, God held Israel accountable. God judged Israel. And understand, please get this, sometimes, even here, sometimes your life has been left in Achan's rubble when you weren't the one who committed the sin. Sometimes you were connected. Sometimes you were a part of something and you didn't have a control, you didn't have control over what someone else did, but you still, you find yourself in this rubble and you say, is there hope? 
This decision was made and it's broken my heart. This decision was made and I have so much regret and shame. This decision was made and I wish to God I lay awake at night wishing to my God in heaven that there's some way if he would allow me to go back in time and do this over again. I would give just about anything to do this over again and to have one more chance to make this right. But I know that it's gone. I know that I can't go back. So how do I go forward? Is there anything to go forward to? That's why I love how God starts off chapter 8. I get so grieved with people who read the Old Testament and say there's no grace there. There's grace from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation for those who will believe enough to receive it. Oh, it was just for Israel. No, there's a, a, young, there's a woman named Rahab who found much grace. Look, look at the first words. And the Lord said to Joshua, He's, he's frustrated as a leader, maybe even ashamed. He's devastated. They've enjoyed nothing but success under his leadership, and now they have this massive defeat that is without explanation, and he is overwhelmed, and he's just, have, he's just had to oversee the, the execution and the severe dealing with the one who is guilty of that sin. And now people are looking him to lead, looking to him for leadership. And look, Joshua, it was great to lead God's people when you're crossing the Jordan. And it's great to lead God's people when the walls of Jericho are coming down. But it's not so much fun to lead God's people when they've su suffered an inexplicable and unnecessary defeat to a far inferior force. And the, cons and the reason is because of sin that was allowed. This isn't so fun anymore. And that's when God says to Joshua, Fear not. Be not dismayed. No, the loss would still sting, and the, and the difficulty of dealing with Achan, that, that would still sting. And that, that, that was called the Valley of Achor, and those stones remained as a reminder of the scar and of the loss that occurred during those events. But God is telling Joshua, listen, you don't need to be afraid, and you don't need to be dismayed. You understand the idea of this. Like, what's going to happen? How can we overcome this? Where do we go from here? Why? Why would he say that? Because of the failure and the fear of what would come. But God is trying to tell Joshua, listen, what has happened, please get this. It's stated so simply, but would you please get it? What has happened in the past is actually in the past. And it has been dealt with. I have helped you deal with it. I have shown you how to deal with it. I have led you in dealing with it. And you have submitted to the process of dealing with it. Please pause right here. There is sin that first must be dealt with before you can move into chapter 8. I've already preached those messages. I just want to throw out this reminder. Do not expect in your life to be able to move into chapter 8 until you wrap up the chapter 7 in your life. Sin must be dealt with 
And it's not just, yeah, okay, God, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. There must be an effort to be right with God. There must be an effort to be right with other people. But you've got to also understand that when God deals with something, it's done. It's done. I'm not saying that the pain is done. I'm not saying that overcoming some of the obstacles that were created by that are done. I'm not saying that there aren't challenges to be faced. I'm not saying that's done, but I'm saying that God doesn't, doesn't want us living with past things over our heads that have already been dealt with. If he's dealt with it, then it's done. And he's trying to help Joshua to understand you've dealt with this. I still have a purpose for you and this people. I am still planning to do a great work. So now that the Achan has been dealt with, it's time to move on to AI. Now that Achan is dealt with, there's an AI to conquer. There's a victory to have. It's almost like God was saying this to Joshua. Stop dwelling on. Stop being afraid of. Stop being intimidated by what has already been dealt with. I love this. I'm happy about it. You can try to put it into different boxes and you can try to categorize things your own way and according to your own customs and your own way of growing up. But the truth is the truth in the word of God. If any, 1 John 1, 1, 9, if any man confess, he is faithful and just to forgive. Well, well that's some things. No, from all unrighteousness. Where sin abounded. Oh, that's for most things. No, no, that, I mean, I mean, okay, the, the, the people in this category, yeah, that applies to them. But, you know, the people that have done that and the people that have that label and the people that have that history and the people that have that scar and the people that have that baggage and the people that have those relationship failures and the people that have those habits and the people that have those devices and the people that have gone down those roads. Look, look, grace applies to me. No, if that's your attitude, you're misunderstanding the seriousness of your own sin. Look, I understand that there are different level, physical levels of consequence for sin. I get that. There are greater ramifications physically for different sins. I understand that. But a sin before God is a sin, and either you're guilty or you're not guilty, and we're all guilty. For all have sinned. It's not that Jonathan Pyle hasn't done what that guy has done or hasn't been what that girl has been or hasn't gone down the road they've gone down. It's that Jonathan Pyle comes short of the glory of God. I am a sinner. I am guilty. But once it's dealt with, it's in the sea of his forgetfulness. That, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have the ability to remember. That means he chooses to not, to not, to no longer Remember, if I can say it this way, once the sin has been dealt with and forgiven, God isn't looking at your past. God is looking at your present and your future. So here's the question. Why are you? Are you still looking at what you did 10 years ago? Are you still looking at what happened to you last year? 
No, I'm not, I'm not if, look, at if, you, if you've tried to hide it and you've tried to ignore it and you've tried to act like nothing was going on and you've been living a lie, no, you still need to deal with it. You need to finish up chapter 7. But I believe among the people of God, there are many who struggle to move from chapter 7 to chapter something that's happened in the past. And Jesus did not die for that. He died to save us. He died to forgive us. He died to make grace and restoration and hope possible. And we want to spend our lives either looking at what we've lost or looking at what others have cost us instead of understanding that after chapter 7, there is a chapter 8. After Achan, there is an AI. There is a victory that is possible even after colossal failures. But we spend our lives looking at the shadows of things we cannot change instead of trusting that God has light in our future. Look, I'm not trying to act like there are no consequences. Please understand that. But I believe far too many times we have unnecessarily lived under the shadows of things in the past. And missed out on victories that God wants to give us in the present and in the future. Because we won't move into chapter 8. Here's the danger. We get so hung up on the failures of our past. We get so hung up. Please, this does not come from a calloused heart. I don't, I don't say this for sympathy. I say this so that you'll understand. I spend the majority of my days... I beg God to give this church hurting people that can be helped. And as a result, I spend the majority of my days trying to help people who are hurting. I'm not making this statement from a place of callousness. I understand there are deep wounds. I understand there have been colossal failures. I understand there is a sting and there are scars that, that maybe in some cases they never, the sting never completely goes away. I, I understand that. But your life does not need to be defined by the chapter 7 moments. Whether you caused them or someone else caused them. Your life doesn't need to be defined by the Achans. They are still there. They will be a part of your history. But they need not be the final chapter of your history. And the tragedy is that so many of God's people give up on themselves or they give up on others. Please understand this. I'm not saying don't deal with the chapter 7. I'm saying after it's been dealt with, believe in God that there is a chapter 8 in your life. We get so hung up on the failures of the past, whether they are our own or someone else's, that we miss out on what God is trying to do in the present. Let me give you some statements. People say, my past failure was so great that God, will, God won't use me. I get it. In some cases, the way that we fail affects the way that we can be used. But it doesn't change that we can still be used. Oh, no, 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 no. That, I want more. Because I want to know that you're getting it. How you can be used may change, but that you can be used does not change. God doesn't throw the clay away. 
And like, well, this tool isn't the same that it was. But in the hands of that master, it's still a very useful tool. And it, and it may not be the tool that it once was, but it's still a tool that to, to his glory and by his help, it can be used to build great things in his kingdom. My past loss was so deep. My hurt was so deep. I don't have anything to look forward to. What they did was so devastating. There's, there's no way that any good can come from this. There's no way that any good can come from my life. We even let the hurt of past failure skew our view of new people that God brings into our lives. I, I want to pause here. I just want to make sure we get this. I hate this reality, but this is a reality. There are people that have been hurt by other churches. I hate that reality. And God has brought people here who have been hurt because of things that happened that were out of their control. Can I encourage you with this? Just because it happened in one place doesn't mean it's going to happen in another place. And you can never truly fully benefit from the blessing God wants to do in your life in a church like this if you are always living under the shadow of what happened to you at another place. You can't benefit from it. God can bring other people into your lives. Reality. Sometimes marriages don't work out. I don't, I don't think I need to explain this, but I'm going to explain it again just because I know how people's minds work. Well, you just, you just, you just want to sanction anything. No, I don't sanction anything. But you know what I also don't want to do? I don't want to live my entire life preaching about people's past. I do believe in a God of grace. I'm, I'm going to stay here. I'm not saying that every single decision that has been made, that, that's been made is right. Here's what I know. God is able to work all you to determine that and we work to preserve and then we work to restore and whatever it looks like whatever that situation is I believe in a God where the, your life does not need to be defined by the chapter 7 moment that after chapter 7 there is a chapter 8 let me let me just deal with this I hate this subject but it is rampant there is abuse that takes abuse sexual abuse it is rampant all over this place and perhaps you have been a victim of that to one degree or another it's detestable it's wicked it needs to be dealt with and I'm all about dealing with it but I believe this number one that God can restore the person who's been a victim of it I'm not saying it's an easy process. I'm not saying it's just, hey, listen to this sermon and then come down to the altar and say this prayer and it's all good. No, the restorative process can be messy and take time. But there is a restorative process, even for those who have been victims of terrible deeds. Listen, if we don't believe that, what are we doing? People are facing terrible obstacles and they need real solutions. 
And I happen to believe in a God who offers a better solution than anything this world is presenting. But as a victim of that, please, you have to be willing to recognize I can move from chapter 7 to chapter 8. But I'm going to have to not spend the rest of my life looking at what was done to me. And I'm going to have to start looking at what God can do for me. Maybe you're the perpetrator. I don't want amens on this. But if we're going to be consistent with the truth, we better believe it. Crime needs to be dealt with in a severe, severe way. But even in the process of that crime being dealt with, God can forgive and work in a person's life. There is no prison cell that Jesus can't reach into. No, I'm not, I'm not advocating for anything but the extent to which the grace of God reaches. And you say, well, you know nothing about that. Actually, I do. Because of the history of my parents and what specifically my mom went through. And the years it can take to overcome those challenges, I know firsthand. But you know what I've also seen firsthand in the life of my mom? Someone who experienced those things as a child and then got saved as an 18, 19-year-old. And then the grace of God affected her life to the point that she then reached out to her parents. And they got saved. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, the grace of God has no limit to which it can reach. Here's the statement, and then I just want to make a few points. Don't allow past Achans to rob you of future AIs. Don't allow past Achans to rob you of future AIs. I, I understand that Achans are deep. Many of you, I can look at your faces and knowing little or some parts of the story... I know the Achans are deep, but I believe God for his people that when there is a chapter 7, there can be a chapter 8. Your life doesn't have to be defined by hurt or defeat or loss. It can be defined by victory and opportunity and the restorative grace of God. Let me give you three things. If you, if you don't want to live in the past Achans, if you want to move beyond them into the future AIs, into the chapter 8s of your life, please keep these things in mind. They're here in the text. Number one, believe God. Verse one, and the Lord said unto Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. And then he tells him what's going to happen. Joshua had to make a decision. Do I believe God? After having suffered this great defeat, do I still believe God? This is where you got to start, right here. This is the foundation. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You have to start. My friends, you have to start right here this morning. As I declare this truth from the word of God, this is the number one question. Do you believe in a God who can take you, who can take others from chapter 7 to chapter 8? Do you authentically genuinely, deep down in your heart, are you certain that the God who came and died, that the God who rose again, is able to take the mess of chapter 7 and to bring you into a place of victory in chapter 8? You must begin with this. Do I believe God? 
This morning, maybe some of you just need to get at this altar and say, God, for a long time, I've doubted that you can help me recover, that you can help me heal, that you can help me move on, that you can bring any meaning to my life. But I want to start at this altar by saying this. I believe you. I believe in your forgiveness. I believe in your grace. I believe that even though there are critics and even though there is guilt and even though there are regrets and even though there is sorrow, I believe you that there can be a chapter eight in my life. Believe him. Believe him. Number two, be all in. He says in verse one, take all the people of Lord with thee. In verse two, or verse three, excuse me, Joshua took all the people of war to go up against Ai. Here's the challenge for many of God's people. After failure, we don't want to go all in. I know that what I did was dumb. I know that what I did was embarrassing and stupid. And I just, pastor, I just don't want to be all in again. I just don't, I don't want to be back all the way. I just want to kind of sit in the corner. I just want to kind of hide. I don't want to, I don't want to be all in. You know, I don't, I don't really want to be all in with them. They hurt me, and I'm wounded, and, and I just don't want to be all in. You, do you see what happened? I understand there was a sin there, but do you see the contrast between the beginning of chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8? Where Israel decided we're not going to be all in. We're just going to use a fraction of what we have. But in chapter 8, God says, no, 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 no. You need to be all in. You need to be all in on forgiveness. You need to be all in on humility. You need to be all in on having the attitude of grace for yourself. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to stand up on a chair for this one. No, hear it, hear it, please hear it. If God forgives you, then you are forgiven. And you need to be all in on that. You need to stop hanging on to I really feel guilty sometimes. Sometimes there are things about which we can feel guilty for a long time. But just because I feel it doesn't mean I'm not forgiven. Be all in. Be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I know what I was guilty of, but I believe God. And I am all in on this idea, that I, this truth that I am forgiven. Be all in on hope. What do you mean? There are people who need someone to hope for their lives. No, I, I, I make this statement to people. When you're in a place where you have no hope for your life, if God will allow me, I'm going to have hope for your life until you get there. But at some point, it's not enough for someone on the outside to hope for them. You got to buy into the fact that there is hope for your life beyond where you're at. You got to get all in on it. Can I encourage this church? We need to be all in on helping people be restored whether of our own number or those who come to us by the providence of God, we will not turn away one person who finds themselves in the midst of chapter 7, who finds themselves in the midst of an aching moment. We will not despise them being aware that we have struggled ourselves. We will not turn away from them being aware that we have fallen ourselves. We will not forsake them knowing that they are one of the reasons Jesus came to die. We will be all in on helping people be restored to him. Be all in. 
be all in on believing there's a future for you, even if it was what someone else did. Had a great loss, there's a great God. Have a great scar, there's a great God. Have a great disappointment, there is still a chapter eight, but you got to be all in on it. You need to stop coming to church some of the time. You need to get all in all the time. You need to stop thinking about following Jesus. And you just need to get all in on following Jesus. You need to stop thinking about reading your Bible. You need to get all in on reading your Bible. You need to stop thinking about being a good neighbor and get all in on being a good neighbor. You need to stop thinking about, well, I could maybe do something to help someone out and be all in on trying to help someone out. You need to stop thinking about being a witness. You need to get all in on being a witness. We just need to be all in. You know what I, side note, I just have one more point. Side note, it's obvious when we're all in and praising him. You can feel it. I don't even know how to find it, but you can feel it. You need to be all in on it. All in on the worship. All in on the praise. All in on the celebration of who our Savior is. Believe God. Be all in. You're not going to... Your marriage is not going to improve until you decide to be all in. You got to be all in. Number three, got to bear up. What do you mean? Look at verse three. So Joshua arose. The symbolism of this is incredible. It is, Brother Robert. I love this. Love it. Joshua, he's supposed to be the dude. He's the man. Now there's this, been this colossal failure, and the last time we find him, he's down. God, what did you do? I didn't do this. Get up. And then there he is overseeing the execution of a citizen he cared about. This was not an easy moment. But God says, Joshua, if there will be a chapter 8, you got to get up and start moving forward. I understand that some of this overlaps, but, he, but here's the, the uniqueness of this point. You're never going to make progress if you never take the first step. You know what we do sometimes? We focus on how we feel instead of having faith to just take the steps we know that we're supposed to take. It, it, this is a simple illustration. No one that is in church consistently always feels like being at church consistently. And all of you who know that's true just need to smile and say amen because that's true. Even the sound guys, as amazing as they are, they don't always feel like being up here all the time. And I'm not even going to begin to tell you how I can feel sometimes. So you know what you got to do? You just got to get up. Man, I'm not feeling this today, but it's the right thing to do, so I'm going to do it today. I'm not really feeling like God loves me, but I'm going to believe that he does, so I'm just going to get up and I'm going to walk in that love. 
I'm not really feeling like being gracious and forgiving towards someone who's hurt me. But I know that's the right thing. So I'm just going to get up and I'm going to reject bitter thoughts. And I'm going to pray for that person. And I'm going to move towards forgiveness or live in reconciliation or move beyond those things that I cannot change. There's still going to be doubts. There's still going to be fear. There's still going to be anxiety at times. But you're never going to get anywhere if you don't start moving forward. You cannot move on from Aiken to the AI if you don't start taking positive action. Well, I don't know how the person will receive it. I don't know what people will think. I don't know how this is going to turn out. And all of those things are situations that cannot be answered until you begin to take the steps. But whatever the result of those immediate steps is, the long-term result will be that God takes you from an Aiken to an AI, that God takes you from a chapter 7 to a chapter 8. So bear up. Even though you don't feel like it, you still have something to live for. Even though you feel hopeless, you still have people that will benefit from your influence. Even though there are things that you would change in the past that you cannot, there is still a future that can be bright and useful for the glory of God. Don't allow past Aikens to rob you of future AIs. 2007 is a moment that does not define a stellar career. Chapter 7 is a moment in the life of Israel that does not define them as a nation. Don't let chapter 7 be your defining moment. Don't use it to leverage over people. If we will move on from Achan, there is an AI that God can give us victory in. Where are you at with that? What are you hanging on to? I'm not asking you to not hurt. But are you learning to move on in spite of the hurt? I'm not asking you to not need restoration and recovery. But are you taking steps to move towards that? I'm not asking you to not have emotion. But I am asking you whether or not you believe in a God who can take you from chapter 7 to chapter 8. Don't let chapter 7 be the last chapter of your life. His sacrifice far too great for you to stay there when you can be there. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I there were parts of, of chapter 7 that were so heavy just, just because of the severity of sin and its consequences and trying to warn and impress upon your people the danger of ignoring that in our lives. But there is a chapter 8. And after Achan, there was still a great victory. After Achan, there was still an AI. But Joshua and the people of Israel, they had to believe you. 
they had to be all in. They had to, they had to stop loitering in the, in the shadow of the failure. And they had to begin to follow you in the light of your guidance, being submitted to you and walking with you. They had to be all in. And then they had to bear up, Father. They, just, they, had to take, they had to start taking those steps. And even though they had already been embarrassingly defeated, they had to go forward believing that God could give them victory over an enemy that had previously defeated them. So God, would you help your people? Whether they watch online or they sit here in this room, would you help your people? To believe that after the aching moments of our lives, there is an AI. And as my brother said a little while ago, if someone here is not saved, then that is where this needs to begin. They need to stop hanging on to their past. They need to stop hanging on to their doubt. And they need to simply come and humble themselves, acknowledging I'm a sinner and believing in Jesus to be their Savior, receiving him for themselves. God, would you help people who have experienced the devastation of chapter 7 to begin to move into the victory of chapter 8. God, I pray, please, may your people not be defined by the Achans. May we be defined by the AIs of our life, the second chances and the new opportunities of grace to have victory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if there would be anyone who would simply raise their hand and say, I have lived in chapter 7 because of my own decisions or because of the decisions of others. I have lived in chapter 7 and I am struggling to get into chapter 8. But I want to be there. I want to be there. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I've lived and I'm struggling. But I want to be there. I can't tell you how long it's going to take. I can't tell you how hard it might be. But if God has allowed you to be here, if God has given you life beyond chapter 7, then you can move into chapter 8. I'm not saying it's going to be pain-free. I'm not saying it's all sunshine and roses, but I am saying there are second chances. I am saying there is grace. I am saying there is restoration and opportunity. But you have to get up. Stop hanging on to what you cannot change. Humble yourself and deal with the sin and begin to move into what God can do in your life. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm talking about a God who gives grace and who brings us up from the rubble of AI to give us victory. Brings us up from the rubble of Achan to give us victory at AI. So come. God is dealing with you. Come. Don't, don't wait. Don't sit there and wait. Come and do business with him. If you're not saved, if you don't know that you're going to heaven when you die, would you walk forward and get my attention and very discreetly and privately will take the word of God and show you how you can know Jesus as your Savior. But if God is dealing with you, 
move from chapter 7 into chapter 8. And the first step might be just coming to this altar and saying, God, for a long time I've doubted you. For a long time I've held on to this, but I believe you. And I'll start moving again. I'll work to be all in. I'll work to bear up. God, would you help me? Come. Let's all stand together, Brother Nate. You sing. Respond to him. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. If God spoke to your heart, you respond to him.